I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, your host, Caroline Foran, author of Owning It and the Confidence Kit, or Own It, which it will be called in the US if you're listening from there, and it will be out in America from April 2nd. The Confidence Kit will follow in the autumn, or the fall, as you might say. And this week, I am so thrilled to be joined by my good friend, Georgie Crawford, who has an amazing podcast herself called The Good Glow. I'm sure you've heard of it. If you haven't, get on it. It's about self-care. She talks to really, really amazing women about their own self-care and I featured on her series and got such an overwhelmingly positive response and Georgie is just she's just one of the good ones she has had such a turbulent two years she as she will tell you herself gave birth to her beautiful baby girl Pia and she was getting geared up to go back to work and uh, enjoying life as a new mum and she found a lump on her breast and was very quickly diagnosed with stage two breast cancer had to go through the chemo lose her hair everything and she very bravely went on radio pretty soon after she found out about the cancer and had an interview and talked about what it was like to find out and really her aim was to spread awareness and and get people checking themselves who were under the age of 50 because I think so many of us think that it's not something that's going to affect us and obviously the theme of this whole podcast is anxiety and I mean I can't fathom I personally cannot fathom the anxiety that goes with such a diagnosis but I really wanted to talk to Georgie who had been through it she's experienced something that I think so many of us suffer with anxiety in anticipation of like one of our greatest fears and one of the greatest drivers of anxiety is the fear of something going wrong physically like that, that we feel that we would be totally out of control. There's nothing we can do about it. It might just strike you down. You know, the fear of it happening and it being a bad diagnosis and something that you can't recover from or bounce back from. I think cancer is is public enemy number one and the anxiety around it is just so huge, whether it's you 
whether you're afraid that you'll get it yourself. I mean, I haven't gotten it and I'm so lucky and I haven't been touched by it in my life, in my very, very close circle. I've been very lucky, but I know so many people who have been touched by it or who live in fear of it. And I think it's really amazing to hear from Georgie about how she handled the whole thing and crucially how she handled the mental side of it and the anxiety side of it and the weight of that on her shoulders and, you know, all of the fear that went along with it, separate to the physical symptoms and the physical manifestation of the cancer. I also wanted to talk to Georgie about hypochondria because that's something I am, oh my god, I'm the worst for it. I fear every time I feel a bit sick, I think, oh, the worst case scenario, if I have a headache, I think, well, this is it, you're going to die, your time is up. And I always, always go there. And I think it's really interesting to hear from someone who had their, probably their worst fear realised and to hear from them that actually you don't know how well you're going to cope until you're in the situation. And often so much of what we fear is the anticipation of something and we fear the unknown and we fear things that haven't or might not happen more so than the reality. So for Georgie, what happened was when she actually got the cancer diagnosis, she had so much fear beforehand waiting for it. And then when she got it, she was straight into action mode and coping mode and practical mode. And it's been just so inspiring to hear her share her story. And whether cancer is something that has affected you or is affecting you right now or not, or whether you, like me, just tend to worry about your health. And I think a lot of you probably do if you're like me, then I think you will really benefit from this episode. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please subscribe and review and send me your feedback. I very much appreciate it. And um, yeah, enjoy. Georgie is amazing. It's been such a long time since I've actually just sat in my car and had a chat with my friends. I have the best chats in cars. Yeah. Like when I'm dropping my friends home, because I started driving really young and I was always a designated driver. And when I dropped them home, you'd have to build in like an extra half an hour mm -hmm. because you'd be literally talking shit for like so long after. Like I have to actually go now. Um, but I'm so, so delighted to have you on the podcast, Georgie. And I was so honoured to be on your podcast, The Good Glow, which is just obviously anyone listening to this, I'm sure will have heard of or have already listened to your podcast. And... I got so many messages when I did your episode and people who you like put so many people in my direction who hadn't really known about my experience of anxiety or the books or anything. So I'm so grateful for that and have to have been able to help people through your audience as well. But I had obviously wanted to have you on the podcast because you're first of all, your story is amazing. You are amazing. How you've handled everything that you've been through is amazing. But I want to kind of approach your experience of cancer from through the lens of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And we both said before we started recording, like, you're not an expert. I'm not an expert. But it's personal experience is what people can relate to and want to hear about mm -hmm. uh, more so than hearing from the person who has all the qualifications, because they are the you or the me in the situation who just want to know that they're not alone. Um, so I suppose for me, the cancer thing it's always been such a big, big fear. And I feel like for so many people listening, one of the major anxiety triggers for them is a health scare. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a really bad anxiety, you're probably likely to be a bit of a hypochondriac. Were you like that at all before you got the diagnosis? Yeah, like there was definitely an element of me that was, you know, scared of things and scared of big things. And I, and I lived in a lovely bubble and everything kind of, had worked out for me so I met Jamie my husband who 
I was so mad about and we bought a gorgeous house and we had a perfectly healthy child and you know when things are going so well there is a part of you that's like oh my god how how did I get so lucky or will it be taken away from me yeah so I did think like that and I've I've always I suppose worried about people in my family getting sick but I kind of thought I was a little bit invincible and so when I got I found my lump in the middle of the night and I knew that this was a really serious situation I kind of couldn't believe it was me yeah and it took me so long to get my head around that and over the past year I suppose on my journey I've realized the importance of self-care but I've learned so much over the last 18 months that I was saying to my counselor the other day that every second of my life is different now yeah every thought in my brain you know after you get better people just kind of presume you've gone back to normal and you definitely don't you're kind of changed forever forever before cancer was anything in your life had you experienced anxiety had you ever had a panic attack what was your level of anxiety because I think we all have a level yeah like I I didn't really suffer with my mental health I was I always felt very lucky that you know I I was always just happy you know um but I did suffer a little bit with separation anxiety that was kind of where it manifested for me so if I was away from home or away from Jamie or when I was younger being away from my mom mm. so that that's kind of where I you know um, so if you went away on a holiday or something would you feel it yeah just being outside of your comfort zone I yeah or you know I was an entertainment reporter for spin so one time I had to go to LA to a five seconds of summer conference and it was this like amazing experience and I love LA and I feel very at home there but going on my own as part of a kind of press tour was really scary for me not to have Jamie there yeah. and, and I and I and I feel very safe and I don't have any anxiety when I travel with Jamie and Pia on the same yeah because yeah. home is wherever they are yeah so that was kind of my only experience really with, with anxiety before cancer and then I suppose people think of cancer as a physical illness which it is but the mental aspect of it is so huge I can only imagine you said to me before that it was worse when you didn't have the diagnosis when you were waiting mm-hmm. for it talk me through the phase you were at where you were you at what you were thinking when it occurred to you that something might not be right yeah so definitely the worst day of my life was the Saturday before my diagnosis so I'd found the lump and when I found the lump I was really really scared I knew it was bad news and I just had this feeling in my gut and how old was Pia at this stage Pia was seven months old so you probably just thought it was like something to do post-pregnancy I hoped it was but I I knew my body so well and this lump was so hard it was bone like okay so it didn't feel like a blocked milk duct or what I would imagine something like that to feel like so My first thought, the second I found my lump, was breast cancer. And I was basically standing what I felt like on a cliff's edge until I got my diagnosis five days later, which I feel so incredibly lucky to have gotten a diagnosis so quickly. Some people have to wait months. And had you been regularly checking your breasts before that? Never. Yeah. 
like such a thing that like you don't think of doing it like until I heard your story I remember hearing you talk about it for the first time on the radio at Christmas before you went um through chemo and I was like like it literally takes hearing someone else to be like oh my god I need to check myself and like Mm -hmm. none of us are invincible but and there is so much information out there but it's a fear of I think it's a fear of going looking for something Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, because you, you, you feel like if you don't look at it, it won't look at you. I know. Um, also, I didn't really think breast cancer happened to women under 50. I, I was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever that screening age is, that's when I'll worry yeah. about it. Yeah. But no, it is happening to younger people and 30% of the women who are getting diagnosed with breast cancer now are under the age of 50. Oh my God. So it is happening. There's not that many of us, but it is happening. So, yeah, look, I, you know, around that time of, of when I was diagnosed, I tried to stay off Google. Yeah. I mean, I haven't Googled breast cancer once. Wow. I did. I did once. Actually, I tell a lie there, but I did once that night that I say was the, the worst yes. night of my life. I Googled it then before I got my diagnosis, but I haven't Googled it since. And what was the anxiety like surrounding like did you feel did you feel physical panic rise in your body did you feel like the mental health the issue of the fear of the cancer was as much of a weight on you as the cancer itself yeah like I felt the only way I can describe it is like extreme terror like almost like what I would imagine being in a terrorist attack like I felt so unsafe like I felt like they were going to tell me I was going to die I felt like I had very little time left with my family and I suppose I didn't really care what happened to me. I was more worried about everybody else. Okay. Like I knew, look, if I get told I'm going to die, I can deal with it. But what about my child? What about my husband? What about my mom, my stepdad, my brothers? Like what will life be like for them? And when you have a kid, like nothing else matters but them. I remember seeing an Instagram post you put up just it was Christmas time and you're in your apartment and you were nine months pregnant mm-hmm. and you're wearing your black lab. I was like she's so skinny and perfect and just has this perfectly formed bump I feel like I'll be just a whale if and when I'm lucky enough to be pregnant but I remember just thinking wow like it was such a beautiful time in your life you had gorgeous long brown you always had the most amazing hair with the most amazing volume and you know your wedding was stunning I had stalked your wedding pictures and asked you several <laughs> times about your wedding dress and on the outside anyway, if you can describe a life as seeming to have ticked all the boxes, yours would have been it. Mm. And I, it's obviously all, it's, there's never a right time to go through that. But there was just a like a cruelty to the timing that you just brought your beautiful baby girl into the world and felt secure and safe. And then this horrible demon comes and threatens all of that. Yeah, and that's what I found so hard at the start. It just felt so cruel, the timing of it. Um, because you know my baby hadn't even crawled yet um, we hadn't had our first Christmas together or her first birthday party but now having gone through it and everything I've learned from it it was all supposed to be this way yeah and and it's taken me a, so long to get here and so long not to feel absolutely terrified every second of the day but I've worked so hard on, on accepting I knew straight away I needed to accept the cancer and that was my first step and you know it's been 18 months now and I can finally get up in the morning and and not feel really scared. To go back to the day you had the diagnosis 
was there any sense of relief in Mm. a way of kind of being told this is what you're dealing with and then maybe you can get a bit more proactive Mm -hmm. I I imagine obviously I can't I I can't imagine anything more terrifying than I can I cannot imagine anything that would floor me more than a cancer diagnosis but is it true that the worrying about the prognosis before you get it is worse than actually being told Mm -hmm. the reality of it did you just sort of go into action mode absolutely and the day that the cancer was confirmed it was almost like a relief because I knew where I stood and I was getting answers and I was very reassured by my surgeon who told me that I had cancer and the cancer liaison nurse that was there on the day so I left with my cancer diagnosis but with peace of mind and at that point there was a plan there was structure. I was very much in the mindset of I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. I felt like I was in very safe hands. So absolutely, I felt extremely supported from that day on. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I went into action mode and I really took control at that point. But yeah, once I got the diagnosis and same with yourself, like once you figured out where your anxiety was coming from, like you, you definitely can start to move on. Yeah, I think like acceptance, like you say, is just no matter what you're dealing with is so crucial and not trying to run away from whatever it is that is your reality right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the most empowering thing I think you can do is to like start to take back control and not hate your body for doing this to you, but mm-hmm. try and love it and help it through. What was what was it like? It was coming up to Christmas, wasn't it? Mm. What was that first Christmas like? You were just about to start your chemotherapy. Yeah, I started chemo on the 18th of December. So I spent Christmas week in hospital for three days because the chemo hit me really hard at the start and Jamie rushed me back to hospital on the first night. So like physically sick side mm. effects? Yeah, physically. It was, the, I was so nauseous. I was, it was like really bad morning sickness. And um, that night, the only way I could get relief was on my hands and knees. Okay. And at half 11, Jamie rang my mum and said, you know, will you come up and mind Pia, I, I have to get Georgie back to the hospital. So I knew it was the right place for me. And, you know, at this point, my baby was still getting up twice a night for, for feeds. I can't imagine. So I was so tired. And even though I had so much support... I wanted to be her mum and I wanted to do everything. And, you know, after I got my cancer diagnosis, I wasn't going to miss a feed. I wasn't going to miss that time with my baby. Did Pia help to normalise it for you? Because she couldn't have any awareness, but Mm -hmm. she was still just your little baby girl and you were still just her mum and you had your routine together. Did that help take you out of the cancer? Oh, absolutely. She's the reason I got through it. She I still felt happiness and joy even though I had cancer. And I said to Jamie, I'm still happier than I've ever been in my life because wow. I have this gorgeous baby. And I'd wake up every day and her routine, you know, didn't change. She couldn't come to bed with me for a year. So I had to get up every morning and go for a walk. And that literally saved my life. My mum would come with me. We'd go to Marley. We'd go around Stepside, wherever we were. And the fresh air, the daylight, the routine really helped. The normalcy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you first started to talk about it on social media, Mm -hmm. I was blown away by how 
I would kind of expect that it would be easier to come through completely and then with a bit of hindsight be like Mm -hmm. a really positive voice for cancer. I don't think, well, I know, I don't think I could ever be able to be positive, especially encouraging other people when I'm in the thick of it myself. I, well, I know I, I, I never want to compare my experience. Everyone's experience is different, but with my anxiety, it was definitely easier to have some distance from it than to be able to say, this is what helped me. This is what worked. But you, was it a coping mechanism for you to start tracking it and documenting it while you were going through it? Yeah. And I often wonder, you know, what people think of that. And that gave me anxiety. You know, the fact that I was sharing my story in social media because it wasn't planned. Mm -hmm. So... I was such a private person, despite being on the radio and and having a job in the media, nobody knew me before I got sick. And basically what I wanted to do was warn people to check their breasts, my friends on Instagram and my colleagues. And people had, my friends knew I had cancer and weren't texting me because they didn't hear it from me. So everyone knew that I was sick. Okay. But it was silent because like what could those people do like text me hey Georgie heard you have cancer like how are you so my original Instagram post was just to say guys I have cancer I'm okay but just a warning breast cancer happens to women under 50 check your breasts mm-hmm. and my friend Susan Kyo and Today FM asked me then to come on and share my story on Today FM you know to and help I heard young that. mums yeah, I was driving when I heard that yeah that was that was tough but very you know, the right thing for me to do at the time. And I thought about it a lot. And then my friend, Darren Garrahy, then shared my story. And it was the day before my first chemo session. So on December 17th, I had, I don't know, 800 followers or whatever. Darren shared my story or told the story about what was happening to me on her Instagram page. The next morning, as I went into my chemotherapy session, I had 11,000 followers and hundreds of messages of support. Wow. Does that just lift you up completely? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, but also freaked me out at yeah. the same time. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? I felt like so supported and, and people going, you know, I this happened to me, keep going. So and so many survivors. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But yeah, it did bring me anxiety. Because then there's also the pressure of thinking about what you're putting out there and yeah. how people will respond to it. And what I really appreciated from following your story was that you were exactly how you were whenever you were, like whenever you felt it was what we got. Mm-hmm you weren't you know I, and I'm just so grateful that you didn't hide the bad days because like you told me before you know you don't want to come across like the perfect cancer survivor or cancer patient it's everyone's different and it's totally okay to feel immense fear and terror like you say and I remember hearing you on the radio and hearing like the tears coming out of your eyes and I remember seeing you at all the BO events that we've done together and just being so it's just amazing that you didn't try and put on a brave face when you were feeling brave and empowered and strong and positive that's really what you were feeling you weren't putting it on and when you were scared you were really scared and you could hear it and did was that hard you know did you did you think about sort of concealing the fear or Mm. did you want to always be really open and honest for yourself was it pressure if you were trying to put a positive thing out there if you weren't feeling it when I decided to share my story and I never really had a moment where I was like this is what I'm going to do it just happened quite naturally and it was I'd pop on to my Instagram stories like once a week to give an update I was never on social media in my like oncology ward or in hospitals or anything like that but um I didn't want someone to turn around to their mum and say, why can't you be positive like her all the yeah. time? It was really important to me to be authentic and give a, a absolute fair representation of what was happening. And I wanted to go into chemo and for it to be, you know, not so bad and, and to get to spread that good message. But it absolutely sucked and it was really hard for five months. So I tried to, you know, tell the truth and that was so important. And when you were sort of suffering the effects of the chemo and you were very much in your plan of action of, you know, appointments and checkups and stuff, is there no time to really panic about the weight of what's happening? No, every night. I I cried every day during chemotherapy. Every night when I'd put Pia to bed, I'd sit on the couch with Jamie and cry and let it out. Yeah, when you're finished treatment, it does kind of hit you all over again. But I definitely dealt with it every day and, you know, went through every sort of emotion every single day. And I was so scared for so long. And I feel so grateful now that I don't have that fear inside me anymore. Mm. And it's so weird. Like maybe I have less fear now than I did even before I had cancer. That's what I was going to ask you actually was anytime anyone goes through something hard, one of the first things people say is, they try to give them perspective. I think of how much worse off it could be or, you know, people starving in Africa or someone who's terminally ill. And in a way, sometimes I find that unhelpful because it kind of maybe takes from, it, it sort of diminishes what you're going through and whatever you're going through is relative to you. And I definitely struggled with my anxiety for feeling like I had no right to fall apart when people were dealing with far worse. For you, I imagine, like you actually lived the experience of having something life-altering that would change your perspective forever. So does it completely change how you react to the day-to-day stresses and trivial stuff of life 
these days. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, I always say Mondays aren't so bad anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it definitely, I'm way less stressed. I mean... You don't sweat the small stuff? No, and it's such a cliche, but it's so true. I, I'm i much calmer inside, and I, I don't know if that's a combination of... It's, it's kind of hard for me to tell sometimes, because I became a mum and got cancer at the same time. So I don't know how much being a mom changed me or having cancer changed me but I'm definitely way less stressed I don't know if that's to do with the fact that I've been in counseling for four months or I I eat better I'm more hydrated I'm calmer on the inside because I exercise there's so You're managing much, it yeah so much has changed but I, I definitely I can go into work now for a full day and not get stressed mm. I used to get stressed over like stupid things Wow, okay. But now I'm, I'm just like, okay, uh, whatever comes at me, I can handle in a calm way. You must feel so strong. Yeah, and I do. And of course, like I have really bad days. And sometimes the good days are just as hard as the bad days. So, for example, my birthday in January was a really hard day because on those days you're like, I should be feeling this. I should be so happy that I survived cancer and yeah. it's my birthday but I didn't feel like that. I felt really sad on my birthday because it makes you think of everything that's happened. So is there massive pressure when you come through cancer, you come out the other side to be in great form? You know, pressure maybe from yourself? Pressure from yourself, yeah, because you're wondering, you know, why why aren't I appreciating this moment? And I do appreciate, I appreciate the good times more. So when something great happens, I try to take a minute to go wow or if we're on holidays and I go down to the to the beach I I will always take two minutes now just to like look inwards and and thank God for my life so you're far more mindful now Mm. how important do you find that mindfulness and taking that minute is for keeping all the stresses at bay yeah and my counsellor has really helped me detach from feelings of fear and guilt so she's told me to label them so just say I eat something a chocolate bar and I feel guilty for that she has taught me to go that's guilty Georgie again okay everything's going to be okay nothing is going to happen nothing bad is going to happen because I did this so I detach from from Mm -hmm. that person and then if I um you know get very upset about something or I get triggered or you know somebody's parent dies of cancer close to me and and that freaks me out she um has has given me coping mechanisms to to know that I'm feeling a certain way because of what has happened to me and that's okay so just to kind of give myself a break yeah you spoke to me before about anxiety around feeling like how to be the perfect cancer survivor and what you put out there do you feel like that was a while ago that's when we talked on your podcast Mm. do you feel like that's sort of simmering or settling down for you yeah massively so before I would be really self-conscious if somebody saw me eating a biscuit or why because I would feel like they were looking at me saying Jesus, she survived cancer and look at her there eating a biscuit. I would have been like, eat all the biscuits. (laughs) I know. So as in like, you need to be taking better care Mm -hmm. of yourself. God. So I I was just... But no, you know, no one ever gave you that reaction. That was just a fear you had. Yeah, absolutely. And I was judging myself. Mm. 
So like, even if someone came over to our house, like on a Saturday morning and I was eating a piece of toast, I would worry about what they were thinking of me. And through a lot of counseling, I have, I now have given myself a break. Do Do you think the stress, which would have been enormous of the whole experience. So I always talk about the brain chemistry and how when you experience stress for a long time, you wear down the sort of more rational thinking part of your brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, which says, Georgie, don't be silly. You can eat this piece of toast. And your amygdala is the more fear inducing where we have worry in our brain is kind of in charge and putting all these fearful thoughts into your mind and telling you to judge yourself and stuff. Do you think that maybe it was going to take a while for your brain to get the strength back mm-hmm. after being worn down? That is such a good point. And yeah, definitely. And you know, there's so many times now where I have to tell myself I'm doing the best job I can. And and that gives me peace and that kind of calms me down a little bit when I'm feeling completely worried. Yeah. I say, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I've I've eaten, you know, loads of healthy food this week and I can eat this pizza and yeah. not worry about it because mm-hmm. in fact the stress of, of, of worrying about it was probably doing me more damage. Yeah. So you come through the physical illness, but the the mental side of it is a lifelong mm-hmm. management, right? I mean, you have to check in with yourself every day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What advice do you have for people who, like me, I mean, I spend so much time worrying about things that will probably never happen to me physical health-wise. Mm. I had a freckle. I thought it was a freckle. I actually thought it was a piece of dirt on my toe and it just looked really black. And like people laugh at me, like my family, and they're like, oh, Jesus, Caroline, you know, you think you're dying and I'm like well what if I like what if this is the one time Mm -hmm. or if I have a a migraine or headache you know once off I think what if this is the one time that it's a brain tumor and I really torment myself and I know there's some people like me and I know and people probably listen and be like oh you know don't be ridiculous people actually do get diagnosed with these things but what advice do you have for people who have those kind of worries where you don't want to ignore something but you also don't want to drive yourself mad thinking of the worst case scenario all the time yeah It's so hard for me to answer that. I suppose what I would say is try not, like anxiety is worrying about something that hasn't happened. Yeah. And if something bad happens in your life, maybe you're going to handle it much better than you ever thought you would. And you don't know until you're in that situation. I don't know if that helps at all. No, I think that's, I think that's so right. And I mean, even on like a much, much smaller scale, I have this really bad fear of vomiting and when I get nauseous, I like really, really panic. And I, I must wake up several nights a week and say to Barry, I don't, I think I'm going to be sick. I think I'm going to be sick. And he's like, you're not, you never get sick. And then like just before Christmas, I had caught the norovirus or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is like my biggest fear. It's actually happening now. And I was so shaking so much. I was so afraid of getting sick. And then I was like, almost in a way relieved when I did, because I was like, oh, well, it's happening now and you're handling it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a million miles away. But I do think there is some truth to the anticipation and the worry of something often being more hard to handle than the reality. Yeah, and I worry every day about my cancer coming back. Of course I do. But when I feel like that, I tell myself, I bring myself back to the present moment and I feel in this moment, everything is well. I feel good inside and that's what I have to keep doing is bring myself back to the now and tell myself that everything is okay in this moment. And I think that's such a crucial tool for anyone with any kind of anxiety listening. And actually maybe having gone through that and having that 
awareness and that ability to always pull yourself back into the moment maybe that means you won't experience anxiety like someone else over something that you know that isn't cancer because you have that training mm-hmm. you know I think do you feel I, I mean I believe that you are capable of handling anything that like that life throws at you now yeah like I am I think but I do worry about oh god like what if something else happens and and I suppose we don't know how we're going to react until it happens and I never thought that I would be such a positive cancer patient my god never did I think I would but when it happened to me that's how I felt and I kind of fought back with strength and I felt so blessed that that's the way I reacted and I know everybody doesn't react the same way even though when I was in a hole I always felt blessed that I could see the light because I could see the light and I didn't know why this was happening to me but I knew that one day I'd know why and one day I would get answers so I just hung in there and tried you know to get out get some air continue on as best I could and one day I would get answers and and I do feel like I have answers now Mm. what's the best piece of advice you've been given on this whole journey it can be from Oprah (laughs) do you know what it's not it's not from Oprah it's from Tony Robbins so the night that my I found out my cancer didn't spread which was the most incredible night I stumbled across the Tony Robbins documentary on Netflix and at the very end he said, life doesn't happen to you, life happens for you. Mm. And that was the moment for me that everything changed. So do you believe you really are on like a path and we all are and we're meant to go through these things to figure out who we are and find out who we are? Absolutely. And and that's quite a hard pill to swallow mm. when you're, I imagine when you're facing a diagnosis or when you're, if someone is struggling with anxiety unrelated to cancer, it's very hard to be told you're meant to be going through this and I, and I say to people now as well all the time like from my experience I know myself better now than I ever would have I know my limits I know my strengths my weaknesses I've got so much more respect for myself mm-hmm. and appreciation for maybe the fact that I'm a sensitive person and you know I have a low threshold for for stress and that kind of thing and I work with it rather than against it but it's it is it's probably one of the hardest lessons you can learn in life but it is so true like you say that I I also do be I mean I don't believe in much kind of kooky stuff and you know all the mm-hmm. different but I do believe that things happen for a reason and that's so hard to take sometimes but it, I think it helps you get beyond what you're going through now yeah and I've learned so much from from having cancer and I used to say maybe I'm just a messenger for this yeah. maybe I was chosen to be the voice of of you know cancer under in it of cancer under 50s but look I don't I still sometimes I still wonder how I got the cancer why I got the cancer but why, like why did it happen to you why did it have to happen to me and I of course I still have those moments everything in my life has changed for the better and I value my life so much more so I get up and I make sure that I'm hydrated and I make sure that I'm eating well and exercising well and giving myself the best chance at survival but yeah, like sometimes just answer, I suppose the biggest questions are left unanswered. Mm-hmm. But all I, I just bring myself back to the moment and right now I'm okay and I'm doing the best job that I can. How is life right now? So my baby is two this week. People can't see this, but a huge smile just broke across yeah. your face when I asked you that question. This is, this is, this feels like the moment 
that we're back to normal. Your new normal. Yeah, it's it's a weird week because I feel nothing but, but happiness this week. And, you know, I, as I was saying, my own birthday, I wasn't great. And, you know, Christmas was fine, but I just felt under a lot of pressure that you know, it was my first Christmas being better and should I be doing this and should I be doing that and why don't I feel like this? But this Pia's birthday, I remember last year, I just lost all my hair. I was in a wig. I really felt awful, but obviously I enjoyed the day. But this is this is the moment, I think, on Saturday when we have a little birthday party for her that I'm going to feel like I made it, that, that everything is kind of slotting back to normal now and, and I've got my happiness back. But we'll see. Maybe I won't feel like that, but, but it's I'm hoping. Like, life is a series of struggles and lulls and it ebbs and flows. And like, you know, you're so good at being in the moment. You're really happy right now. Maybe you won't feel so happy in a week's time, but then you'll feel happy again. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is ever permanent. Nothing is ever fixed. Everything will pass, even good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just so important to, you have just such a good sense of awareness. What would be your main piece of advice for if people are listening who are obviously the the theme of the podcast is anxiety but anxiety comes in many forms and there's obviously huge amount of anxiety surrounding a cancer diagnosis whether it's the person listening or maybe it's a family member or a friend if you could say one thing to that person to help them get up and go to the doctor and and follow through with their appointments and and like just just get up every day what would it be so I suppose knowledge is power I mean we can put off these appointments because we're afraid but we're it's still going to happen to us so I feel so lucky I'd stage two cancer I I feel so lucky that I found it very early on and I didn't ignore my lump but it was only going to get worse so you do have to face things head on and do it for yourself do it for your family you know I say now that I have to hand Pia over and go to the gym or do you know something for myself and I feel so guilty I want to be with her every second but I'm doing this in order to be with her for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. so you know we do have to prioritize ourselves and put ourselves higher on our own to-do list because once you know then you can act upon you know whatever is going to happen and before I let you go do you find yourself these days if the cancer is completely out of your mind and and you're in work and something goes wrong and and, you know I know you said you don't really get stressed but if you find yourself getting worked up about something are you grateful that it's something like that that can kind of get to you or if you're giving out about something are you like wow I'm giving out about spilling milk yeah it's it's kind of nice to have normal problems again and and to feel normal you know that uh, like I definitely still wake up on the wrong side of bed and you know give out to Jamie over something stupid but I do I suppose catch myself more but I'm not perfect yeah and it is great to have normal problems again amazing Georgie thank you so much for joining me I know that your story will just resonate with so many people as it already has done and um the good glow will be back for season two yeah season two and thank you for your podcast because I have listen to it I find it brilliant and thanks for your honesty and you know everything that you've done for me and our podcast together I got such amazing feedback because you know not a lot of people talk about their problems and you've really put yourself out there in such a graceful way so thank you thank you so much 
Thank you so much for listening to my episode with the amazing and beautiful inside and out Georgie Crawford. Her podcast, The Good Glow, is available wherever you listen to your podcast. It really is amazing. It was number one in Ireland for quite a while. Um, and you can check out my episode with her there if you if you want to cross-pollinate your podcasts. As always, um, thank you so much for listening. Really, really grateful for any feedback, subscribes and reviews on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next up, I will be talking about medication with psychiatrist Dr. Rosie Plunkett. And this is a very, very important episode coming. So I do hope you stay tuned and thank you again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.